Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast Gang. The Uncharted Get Shit Done Conference is coming up at us. It is going to be October 7th through the 10th. It is online. You can see it wherever you are. And you might be thinking, you know what? I would like to get this shit done. That's what I would like. I would like to get... And maybe you're a bit more reserved and you're like, I would like to get this stuff done. You can get stuff done too. We're not picky about what you do. In fact, the GSD conference is made to meet your needs. It is about learning the tools and the strategies so that you can make your practice work. It is workshop-based. It is not lecture. You're not going to sit and have people lecture at you. You're not going to be getting some webinars. You're going to be doing some stuff. You're going to come out, you're going to come in with your own priorities, your own practice, and you're going to leave with tools and skills that you can put to work to actually make your life easier and get things off your plate. Want to learn more? Head over to unchartedvet.com and click on conferences to head to the GSD. See what we're doing. The uh, program is up. We've got some great speakers, great speakers. Peter Weinstein's going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be there. Stephanie Goss is going to be there from the podcast. You know, it's it's just uh, oh, it's such a good group. It's such a good group. Um, check it out you really 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 will be glad that you do it it is um, a fantastic experience the online really uh, we push it hard to make online actually work meaning this is stuff we do stuff that you could not do in person you can only do it online and that's how we make it so we really lean into that to make this really great anyway I hope you'll check it out I hope you'll make new friends I hope you'll find a supportive and engaging and invi- and uh, lively and vibrant community uh, that uh, that makes you want to get up in the morning and go to work that's what I want for you so anyway GSD conference October 7th through the 10th I hope you'll check it out with that let's get into this episode And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie just to see you smile, Goss. (laughs) I like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's good. It's good. Um, It's crazy. Uh, Yeah, it's still crazy. Uh, I don't think that things slowed down from the summer yet. I'm waiting for that to happen. Uh, But they have not happened so far. I just want to. Uh, I just want to throw something out real fast. It happened. Uh, it happened recently, uh, meaning yesterday at uh, the practice. And so, uh, just unrelated to what we're talking about today, but I had this. Um, I had this appointment in, and it was a kitten that had a really bad ear infection. Right, like just caked in junk. Like, mm. and um, and so I took the cat to clean the cat's ears out and my techs took the cat and uh you know wrapped wrapped him in a little kitty burrito and and cleaned his ears out and you know and i you know i was i was there in the treatment room and i was doing things and they just did a, a thorough job cleaning out this cat's ears, but the cat, you know, ultimately got tired of having his ears cleaned as they do sure. and started to do the and that cat's owner just lost it. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, he and he was, yeah. he was like, "What are you doing to my cat?" And he and and he was nasty. And he was just like, "This is gonna be all over social media," and just just really went bonkers. And I've been obviously, I think you know, you think about those things. They they stick with you and stuff. And I keep going back, and I'm like, first of all, I run back through my mind. I never saw anything that that I thought was was 
bad medicine. You know, the we they weren't even scru- like they didn't scruff the cat. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. it was good mm-hmm. restraint, and the cat was unhappy. But to me, it didn't seem there was no there was no time when the cat even really went to cat you know level 10 of i am done done it was mostly it was young young cat not liking what was happening but sure. you know they, they were that was it and it's just funny and I, and i tell that story um just because i want to remind people that sometimes uh pet owners have a different perception of what we do and there's like I said, I've, I've run it back to my mind. I don't think we did anything wrong. Um, I, I really don't. And um, But that's not going to change the fact that this person is, you know, is is going to be upset and things like that. And so I, I just want to put that out there to say, um, just remember that sometimes perceptions from pet owners are just different from what ours are. And right. um, and that affects, that affects their reality, right? Like they're... Mm-hmm. The way that they see things, even if you go, but that's not accurate, it doesn't really matter. It's right. It's 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 how they're going to behave and what they're going to say. Yeah. And so that happened mm-hmm. yesterday. And you know, I, I hate it, but again, you know, we try to try to talk to him, but it wasn't like he was a little bit upset. He he just he went to being nasty straight away, and like that's yeah, to walk back. So I tell that story for two reasons. Number one, I just want to, I think it's good to hear other people say, hey, this happened at my practice. And then you go, oh, mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one who ever had an experience like this. Well, that, that's not true. But I also want to tell that story right now and up front because it ties very strongly to what we're going to talk about today in the importance of controlling client perceptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think... Um... I, I like that. And it's, um, you know, although it doesn't have to do with the medical aspect that we're going to talk about, it's totally true. It's um, today's episode, I was talking to a friend and uh, they were really struggling. And we were kind of just talking about how things were going in general in their practice and wandered into um, wandered into something that they have been really struggling with with clients lately, which is um clients who are not in the clinic they're in a, they're in a location where things are not open so clients are not in the clinic they're outside and they're finding that there's a lot of clients who are not seeing the value mm-hmm. in dentistry and the the root of it was when, when we were talking about how, you know how do they how are they talking about dentistry uh, this person said to me, you know, when a client is in an exam room and you walk in the room and you can smell the mouth right when you walk in the room and you, and you know, but the client doesn't see anything wrong because they have, they have lived with that. That is, that is, it's not, they're not seeing it the same way that you are. Sure. And when you're, you know, petting fluffy and you're, you know, doing the rub down the back and then you lip, you lift that lip and you show the owner what you know was underneath the lip the whole time. All of a sudden it, it creates that light bulb moment for the owner where they can actually see what you're seeing. And all of a sudden their reality and your reality merge where, you know, two minutes ago you were on opposite ends of the field, right? Like their perception was completely different than, than your perception. And so ultimately the question was, how do we show 
value for dentistry when clients aren't there to see the lip lip, the, the lip lift, because that for a selling point, um, you know, or the easy access for clients for dentistry for a very, very long time. Right. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. It's the perception of clients, right? If they, if their perception is my pet doesn't need this and then they spend a bunch of money on it and then they cannot tell that anything is different in their pet, then their perception is you didn't do anything or their pet didn't need this. And you go, right. that's not true. That's not accurate. And again, they're going to behave in accordance with what their perception is, not with what your perception is or what the truth is. And that's sort of why I started off with the story that I started off with. And, and I think that that's, you know, controlling perception is one of the biggest parts of our job. And one of my favorite things to talk about, and I, I really enjoy this topic that we're about to get into here, but one of my favorite things in this job is to say that when we talk about dentistry, when we talk about a lot of things that we do, we sell the invisible, you know, like we sell the invisible. Uh, think about uh, drop-off appointments, right, wellness uh, visits, and someone drops their pet off in the in the morning and picks them up in the afternoon and the evening. Um they're dropping their dog off and they're picking their dog up and their dog looks exactly the same. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, their dog had a fecal test. Yes, their dog had a heartworm test. Yes, their dog got two vaccines, you know. Mm -hmm. But if they just drop the dog off and pick the dog up, it's the exact same dog. And it looks mm -hmm. and acts the exact same way. And the bill is $168 or $225 or, you know, say, say we mm -hmm. sent away some senior blood work. You know, the, the bills, the bills, 250 bucks, whatever. Um, what we did was completely invisible. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the chances of the pet owner, even at a subconscious level, being like, my dog was fine. I went to the vet. I got my dog back. I gave that $250. My dog is exactly the same as it was before. That, mm -hmm. I think that we can all imagine how that happens, you know, and it would happen to us if I, you know, I went to, um, I went to get my car serviced and it had its, you know, 30,000 mile checkup and I went to the dealership and you better believe they hit me for, you know, 200 bucks and my car looks exactly like it did when it went in there and it was fine and now it's fine, you know, and granted, I know the value of maintenance. Of course I do. But at some level, I gave up a chunk of my day and wrote them a big check and what, and I don't see any difference. In what's in, in, I don't see any difference in my car, and it's right. it's the exact same way with us and with that medicine. And so I I really love this topic, but I think that we one of the I think one of the things you have to do as a doctor, especially and especially a practice manager and owner, grab on to the idea that we sell the invisible. That is a big chunk of the game that we play for our vocation. How do I make people see? And believe what I do. And if you don't have those thoughts, I um, I don't think that you're ever going to be uh, maximally effective. I just I just don't. And I think I think that those are the vets who struggle yeah. are the ones who don't just own the fact that what we do is invisible unless you make it visible. And the other part of this is that dentistry is expensive. Like let let's be and people you know I hear a lot of uh, management people and dentists and stuff trying to say well you know dentistry is not really expensive. It's like I, I get it, right? And and I'm not 
saying that we shouldn't do it and it's not valuable. We should do it. It is valuable. But let's be honest. You know what I mean? If you make $30,000 a year, an, an $850 dental cleaning for your pet, it's expensive. You know, don't, mm-hmm. it's a chunk, mm-hmm. it is a chunk of change that would go towards a lot of other things. Like, let's, let's be honest about what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that I, people, I think people try to downplay, people in our profession kind of downplay the idea that dentistry is expensive because they don't want um, us as doctors, as technicians to go, this is expensive. I'm just not going to recommend it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's valid. And so I, I don't, I'm not knocking people who say, oh, oh no, when you really think about it, it's not expensive. I get it. I get it. And I get why they say that. And, and um, I think it's important to not shy away from making that recommendation because that's what the pets need. And what I would just say is this is our job is to tell these people how to take care of their pets. You know, and yeah. if, if we're not talking about dentistry, we're not doing our job. So, I mean, I, I'm with them. We should not shy away in any way, shape, or form about talking about dentistry because of the price tag that's uh, attached to it. I think mm-hmm. I think getting our mind around that is maybe a, a different topic, but, um, but, that, but that's part of it. I do think that we can do a disservice by really leaning into this idea that dentistry – is a great value in it. And it's, it's not really expensive when you think of the grand scheme of things. I think that puts us in a poor place to actually have good conversations with the pet owners. Cause we're, cause we're just not, we're just not on the same page with them. If we don't kind of own the reality of uh, the expensive dentistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting because the last, for me as a manager, the last two years um, have really, have really brought about a lot of change in my perspective Um, because I think even just in the last few years, more and more clinics have started charging and pricing their dentistry services for patients where closer to where they should be. When, when we all started doing dentistry, I mean, you know, there were, there still are plenty of clinics out there who, are doing, um, you know, dental cleanings for pets and charging a hundred dollars. And, you know, I think when you sit down and you look at the actual hard costs that go into it. And for me, that's, that's a part of, um, the man, the management exercise when any of my friends are asking questions about, you know, how, how do you price something? Well, what does it cost you? Because our costs are all completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your, what is your staff time costs? What are your operating costs? How much are you paying in oxygen costs? All of those things matter. And so when we sit down and we look at the actual true cost of dentistry, a lot of us have um, increased our prices over the last few years to really get closer to the true cost for us to provide that service for our patient, which is a good thing. We mm-hmm. were dramatically undercharging as an industry for a really, really long time. Yeah. So that that part in and of itself is good. However, um, that part of it doesn't matter to clients. It doesn't register yeah, in they, their thought process about the fact that we were undercharging, right? Like right. that yep. that doesn't seem real to them. All of a sudden, what seems real is the fact that dentistry costs have risen in a lot of places by double or triple, um, Mm -hmm. over in a, in a very short time. And so I think, um, for me in my practice, a lot of the conversation has been about how do we certainly, how do we, um, show the, the perceived value for clients, 
but also how do we own the fact that it is expensive? It is not an inexpensive thing. It is an investment that they are making in the health of their pet. And our job is to help them figure out how to pay for it, not to discount the price, not to, not to make it less than what it actually is, but to own that fact that it is very expensive. And we recognize that fact and we recognize that, that impact that it has um, on their family's finances. And so here's how we're going to help them figure out how to pay for it. And there's so many options available to us now um, as an industry to, to do that. But I think that that really has been a lot of um, the conversation is exactly what you said, which is owning, owning the fact that it is not inexpensive. This is a commitment and we want to help them make that commitment. And here's how we do that. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. We want to help them make that commitment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I very much agree with that. So we need to, we want to support them and their decision to do this. And what do we mean when, when, when we say we're going to support them in the decision to do dentistry? For me, it's two things, right? Number one, they need to feel like this was a good decision. Right, mm-hmm. like they're and they'll help you. It's called confirmation bias. Like they want to believe that the choice that they or uh, or decision supporting bias. You know, they, they want to believe that the decision that they made was a good decision, and so they're looking for supporting evidence of that. So for God's sakes, let's give it to them. Like let's 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 yeah. let's, let's let's bolster their their um, commitment to their own decision. But then number two is oftentimes one one person in a family brings their pet to us and we say, we need to do this. And they say, okay, well, let's make the decision. And at some level they have to justify that decision to other members of the family Mm -hmm. who are not there. And so even if you put on the best presentation in the world, this person still has to go home and talk to their partner and say, I spent $700 on getting our cat's teeth cleaned or our dog's teeth cleaned, you know, and, and they have to be able to 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 uh, to justify that. So, how do we support them? Um, yeah, that's that's what I think. Are you ready to to jump into the how, or do you want to unpack yeah. any more of dentistry? Yeah, right no. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the how because I think when we were talking about this topic and the conversation that I had been having with my friend, both you and I came immediately uh, to the same conclusion, which is this is a conversation about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And yes. it's a conversation I think you and I both agree that we have to have with our teams as a whole. Um, because yeah. you have you can have an opinion as a doctor, I can have an opinion as a manager about how we talk to clients um, and how we create that value. But if I'm an island unto myself, it's not going to go anywhere in terms of um, catching fire within the practice. Yeah, this is this is one of the episodes. And this may be the biggest episode where I have really felt like I don't want to give you the answer. Like I do not want to tell you how to do this. And the reason I don't want to tell you how to do this is because if I tell you how to do this, then you will know how to do this, and then you will go to your team and you will say, "Guys, this is what we're doing," and they will feel zero ownership of this plan. And you will have to really wrestle insanely hard to make this a reality. And so I feel like for you, dear listener, I will, I'm going to screw you up if, and when I tell you, Hey, this is how you do it. Um, and so we're going to take a a slightly different tack. 
here is how you show the value of dentistry to pet owners when they're not coming in the building. Mm -hmm. You have a staff meeting. You have a staff meeting and you bring your people together and you tell them the problem. You say, gang, our clients are not coming in the building and dentistry is vital and it's expensive and uh, raise your hand if you think that pet owners understand what they get for their money. And that's how I start the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next question for me would be, all right, let's go around real quick. Why don't they understand what they get? Like, wh- why don't they see the value in what they're paying? Why do we have to work so hard to get them to do this and mm-hmm. let the team talk? And mm-hmm. you know the answer. Let them own the answer. And if you're like, I know exactly why, I'll make you a deal. If you go around and you give them the chance to talk and you even call on individual people, nobody says anything, you say, Kayla, what do you, uh, do you have ideas? And call on your big talkers to get them started and to break the ice, right? Mm-hmm. And if after going around like this, the people have not said the thing that you think is great, you can add that. But I want you to talk last. And you can fill in holes as needed, but you probably won't need to fill in very many holes. When they tell you what the problem is, then they have figured out what the problem is. And it's their idea what the problem is. So start Mm -hmm. off with, what is the problem? Why don't Mm -hmm. clients see this? And the answer is, because it's invisible. But let them tell you that in their own words, and then use their own words to further the conversation. I love it. I love it. I I agree. I think it has to start with a team meeting. And I think um, before you can tackle the problem, they, you all have to know what the problem is. And you're 100% right. The, the buy-in is going to be there for them so much more if they're a part of the process. And yep. so I think once they have identified the issue, which is, Dentistry is big. It's scary. It's expensive. How do we how do we explain that to clients and, and show that that value? How do we how do we um, how do we create value for something that they're not seeing? They're not standing in your treatment room when their pet. Well, in some practices they might be, but in most practices they're not standing in your treatment room when their pet is under anesthesia and you're um, you know hand scaling the massive amounts of tartar off of their back teeth. Right. They don't see that. So how do we how do we show that to them? And so I think once the once the team has identified the problem, then I think you need to have them work together to figure out the solution to it. And I think that there's a lot of different ways that um, you could go through this that will ultimately create uh, the same end result. And so how how would where would you go next after identifying the problem, Andy? Yeah. What so would be your next step? At, after identifying the problem, I would I would say to those guys, and you know, okay, all right, great, and 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 I love um, the post-it note flip charts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The ones yep. that you buy the big post, like the their flip yep. chart size and the post-it note, so I can peel them off and stick them on the wall. And I, you better believe I am writing down the problems as they give them to me. And I will mm-hmm. say, yep, this is it. Yep, this is it. Yep, this is it. And everything about why the clients don't get it, I'm writing down. Okay. Yep. Now, generally, um, 
those problems will fall into two categories. One is about cost and, um, and communicating the value of what they do. And then the other one is them seeing the value once they've gone forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. these are two different staff meetings. Don't get sucked into trying to do both at the same time. Uh, what we're talking about today is how do we get them to see the value in the dental cleaning? And so don't get drawn into a cost discussion here. Um, I'm happy to talk about how to do that later on, but, um, but for now, the, the problem as we lay it out is not, hey, dentistries are hard. The problem is clients don't see the value and, and stick to that question of raise your hand if you think clients understand what they got and what they paid for when they <laughs> yep. get dentistry. So it's not yep. how do we get to dentistry. It's when they do a dentistry. Do you think that they understand what they're getting for their money? And then stick to that. Don't let them draw you into the cost conversation. That's just a different conversation. All right. So yeah. that's it. So get them to tell you the problems. This is why they don't see the value. And then we say, all right, guys, reviewing these problems, what are some ways that we could show them the value? How could we make this visible? How could we make them understand what they get for their money? And, and stress, this is just, we're just brainstorming, right? We're not committing to anything. I just want, but what are some ideas of ways that we can do this? And then I move to a second flip chart and I start writing, you know, and again, I'm asking them. And if you get silence, go to your big talkers and then also go to your techs uh, and your doctors that do a lot of dentistry and say, Amanda, you do a lot of dentistry. What are your thoughts? How could we help pet owners know what you do? Like you're, and I love, I just, you know, I, I love to uh, use this as a opportunity to give appreciation to, uh, you know, to shower my team with praise, to bolster them about the work that they do. And I would say, Hey, Amanda, you're wonderful at this. You do a fantastic job. How can we let people know about the work that you, that you do? You know, um, how do we, how do we, how do we help them understand mm-hmm. and let your team tell you what is possible and what can be done. Mm-hmm. And I'll, um, and again, you'll probably go in with ideas. The classic ones, you know, are going to be photos. I mean, I love the combination of photo mm-hmm. and I love the combination of photo and text messaging to be like, Hey, we're getting ready to start your procedure. Everything is going great. We'll let you know when we have some things to tell you. And it's hopefully a nice, happy photo of their pet pre sedation, you know, pre anesthesia. And then we go to the dentistry and, um, before and after photos are a big one and they are not hard to do. We've got to build a workflow so that you're not freestyling every time, but let's make a system for, we take this photo and take this photo and this is where they go. And this is what happens to them. Do they get printed out at the end? Do they get emailed? Do they get texted? I, I, I don't, I don't know. And your team can decide that and you can decide what works best with your system and what you have, I, I don't think it matters that much how you do it as long as it looks good and as long as your team is excited about it and they'll actually do it, right? Mm-hmm. Any preference I have over emailing versus text versus print, um, that is a distant second in my priority list to my team is excited about this and they want to do it. I'm like, great. Yeah. That's the number one thing. Give me whichever one of those the team is actually going to jump in and do. Yeah. Now I have a team, um, and have in the past had teams that really struggle with drawing them out of the shell into these kind of conversations that they really struggle with, um, 
kind of the brainstorming element in the beginning. Once you really like get them going, they will run with it. But I, they really need, um, they really need a framework. They need a starting point. And so for me, if I was doing this exercise with my team, the way that I would structure the, the meeting is to start, like you said, and get them to tell me what they think the owner's challenge is. But then in terms of how do we, how do we problem solve this? I would probably ask them, okay, tell me, tell me exactly like step-by-step, what were we doing pre-COVID? When Mm -hmm. clients were in the build, when clients were in the building, when there was a pet owner in the exam room, what did that look like? Start to finish. What, what did that experience look like? And just write it all down. And then I would probably ask them, okay, now during COVID with clients not in the building, what does that look like? And write it all down. And a lot of it's probably going to be the same. But then really for me, the question is, okay, what aren't we doing now that we were doing before? Sure. Or what are we doing now that we were not doing before? And highlight those differences. Because really for me, this is a conversation about how are we going to bridge that gap between what we were doing before pre-COVID when clients were standing in front of us if if we did this really well and and what are we going to do now and if this if your practice if this has been a struggle for you even pre-covid if the conversation is not just about the fact that clients no longer are standing in front of you but your team has struggled with the value the conversation might be a little bit different but um you have to so for some of the teams you you need to create that framework for them and that's that's how my team is if i didn't give them kind of a starting place and ask those kind of questions they would we would sit there and it would be the kind of uncomfortable meeting where everybody's looking at each other and I'm just waiting for them all to talk right so it's okay it's okay if you don't have that team that immediately jumps on the bandwagon and if you do let them have let them have at it be the scribe write all the things for them if you don't think about a few questions and for me the conversation is really what are we doing now? What were we doing before? And what are the differences? Because I want to figure out how do we bridge that gap to create the experience for the owner that feels as similar um, or better than the experience that they had pre-COVID when they were standing right in front of me. Um, And that's where I think you were spot on, Andy, in terms of um, your team is going to think about things, probably some technology, maybe some not as technologically advanced ideas, but ways to make the client feel and see that connection. And this is where I think technology is totally our friend. But I also think that we need to remember that it doesn't have to be super complicated because the workflow piece of it that you mentioned is so important. I think we need to all remember that I'm, I'm guilty of this. I love technology and I'll get super geeked out about all of the different ways that we can use it realistically if it's too complicated of a process or a workflow, it's not going to get used. And so this is where we have to really keep it simple. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the way you said that. I, I think that, I think that's true. And again, I, I go back to, I want your team to own this more than I want it to be the coolest thing. And right. um, every, every team is different and that's fine. If you are, uh, you know, I think of, I think of uncharted dynamic duos, uh, the Boston boys, Brian and Paul, in Boston, mm-hmm. they have a young, um, urban team and mm-hmm. 
I, and they love technology and that, you know, and they lean into it and that's the culture there. You, I'm sure those guys are doing some high tech, cool uh, presentation yeah. work, really awesome stuff. Sure. But I stand by the idea that if you have a team that doesn't like technology and just doesn't use it, I stand by the idea that you can use Polaroids and yep. make something that is cool and that accomplishes yep. the goal that your team feels comfortable with and will actually do, you know, I'm um, just thinking like, yep. okay, how do we make Polaroid sexy? You can do it. You just have to like, honestly, yep. just think about how to present it and then, and then make that thing. Okay. I, I love, I love it. You always, you always, um, this is the beauty of our relationship. This is a, a strong point for you and weak points for me is like, I love this stuff. I love talking to the team. Uh, my, you know, my people know that we're going to talk and they, and they feel safe because they know that, that I'm not, I'm not, there's no wrong answer. We're just, we're talking and brainstorming, but it's part of the culture right. and you know what I mean? And it's fully expected. If this is one of your first times doing this type of meeting or you don't do a lot of these, I, I think that's a great point is that people might not be comfortable. And so I'm really glad you said that. Uh, let me, let me lay down a, a couple quick things real fast, just on, if this is a new style of meeting for you and how we get people to warm up if they're not used to this. And so yep. Stephanie hit uh, nail on head. For me, there's really two different levers that you can pull to warm people up. The first one is the types of questions that we start or that we ask, right? And um, and that is if you want to get people warmed up, toss them softballs and toss them underhand. You know, start with questions that they absolutely know the answer to. There is a definitive yep. answer. It's like, hey, guys, what time do we uh, open in the morning? And they're like, uh, 7.30? <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well done. And I'm just tossing them softballs so that I can go, yes. Outstanding. Way to go, David. Um and, and just and celebrate them. Um, guys, from the time that a dental patient is dropped off in the morning until the time they are picked up, what do we communicate to the clients and how do we communicate to the clients? Mm -hmm. And like that is that has a clear answer. It's not a trick question. They're like, oh, we um, we call them when we're done. And who calls them? The technician. Okay, cool. Anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, great. So let me write that down. What we do now, technician calls when we are done. And I'm trying to make fun of that. Like, that that's fine. That's, that's only most right. practices. Right. But I am act, asking them questions that have clear answers that they know. And it's just because I want them to get some things right and to feel confident and to get celebrated. Well, or... <laughs> <laughs> you have if you have uh, a team in a hospital like mine where everybody has been swimming in different directions for quite a long time you might ask a question that sh that probably should have one answer and you get five different answers and it's an opportunity <laughs> for you to say like when you <laughs> I was laughing when you asked what time do we open in the morning because I, as soon as I said <laughs> I was like wow, this, I can totally see this question going the wrong way right I could see my team having five different answers to that because someone is going to think literally and think, well, I get here at 715. And so that's the answer. Like, what time do I start my shift? 
where someone else is like, what time do clients walk in the building? And a third person is like, well, what time do we actually start seeing patients, right? Like there's going to be different answers to some of those questions that you might think only have one answer. And so this is an opportunity to find out also what parts, um, what parts of this process are, is your team on different pages? Because you may yep. have some of that and you may find that Dr. A does things one way on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. And on Wednesdays and Thursdays, Dr. B is doing things completely different, right? And and that's that's okay. Um, you just have to, this is an opportunity for you to figure out what are some of those differences and either celebrate them and pull out the things out of each of the different styles that are working or take some of the constants or things that the team agrees could become constants and make them the same across the board for everybody, depending on, you know, it doesn't matter which day, it doesn't matter who's on all of, all of those things. Yeah. So two levers to warm up the team. The first one is mm-hmm. softball questions, right? Mm-hmm. It's questions they know the answer to questions that are easy. Uh, wh- hey, so, so, what do we do? Like, what's the first thing that we do when we bring clients in for dentistry? Okay. You know, how do we communicate with clients while the patient is here? Just, just throw them out and, and, and let them tell you, but, but just give them softballs to get them talking and they'll kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh, this is so obvious. And then they'll just tell you. And that's great because they have opened their mouth and they have started talking and now we're moving in the right direction. So that's lever one. Lever two is how they communicate with you. You might have caught at the very beginning when I said, raise your hand if you think that pet owners uh, uh, understand what we do when their pet is here. Um, Raising their hand is the easiest way to get them to communicate, right? It just, it's, they don't have to open their mouth, just raise their hand. So walk them up to talking to you. So uh, raise your hand is is an easy one. Um, turn to your, uh, hey, I want you guys to pair off real quick. Or I want you guys to get, get into groups. Just just yep. cluster with the people around you. And I want you guys to uh, just run through together. What do we do with, with, uh, with dentistry patients? And just make sure everybody's on the same page about what happens. And what's happening then is uh, it's lower stakes because they are not speaking to you in front of everyone. They are huddling up with their group and go, um, I think that it's, I mean, it, I, I think the, I mean, I, we just do this, right? And everyone goes, yeah, that's, that's totally right. That's exactly what we do. And then, and then when you say, okay, tell me they have been checked and validated. And it's like, if I'm wrong, then all of you guys are wrong. And I know I'm not alone. And then they're more likely to talk to you as well. And then the last thing I do is just, Hey, just talk to me. But, um, but that raise your hand and then, Hey, uh, Turn, turn to your groups, turn to your clusters, turn to a partner, turn to a pair and, and, and discuss and then give me the answer security blanket. And then the last one is just, Hey guys. So, all right. So just, just let's get some ideas. Just, just, just yell out. What do you think? And go to the last one. And again, this may not be necessary in your team. In other teams, this may be a long, slow walk. It it really depends on your culture. And I would say again, having had this team, if your team is 98% introverts and the idea of them having to speak in front of each other is just overwhelming to them because I've been there and I've managed this team, um, you can also give them post-it notes or security blanket for them and have them write down their ideas and then 
use your big post-it notes on the wall and say, okay, how do we, how do we talk about this to clients? Have them write their ideas down and have them come put their ideas, all the different ones on the board. And then you sort through them and you read them out loud and you say, okay, 10 different people said the same kind of thing, right? You can accomplish the same end goal of getting them talking in ways that are comfortable for them. And this is where you have to know your team. You have to know the best way that's going to work work for them. And even if you haven't done a meeting like this, there are some really simple ways that you can get them talking, even if they're all introverts. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I think I think that that's a fantastic idea uh, as far as them writing down the ideas and then you presenting them and gener- generating discussion. We do our SWOT analysis this way. Yeah. Um, that's mm-hmm. a great tool. The other thing I would say about introverts in groups like this um, for those of us who are extroverts, um, I like to think out loud and I sort of toss out ideas. And so if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, that's a terrible idea, that's probably just me, uh, extroverting <laughs> uh, real hard and, uh, <laughs> introverted people are much more likely and much more receptive to the idea of, um, writing down their idea or writing down the answer. Even if you then ask out loud, okay, guys, let's go through what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say, Hey, I want you guys to take a moment and on a sheet of paper, just jot down what we do for our dental patients and you let them jot it down. What you will find is, uh, a lot of people, they need that quiet time of not being public to focus their thoughts and then jot them down. Yeah. And then once they're down and they have their list, they've done their focusing, they're much more likely to engage and share because they had that process time. And now they're putting it forward. So that that's um, that goes back to how they how you engage is are you giving them time to write things down before you ask them to present it publicly? And we've done that. We do that a lot in Uncharted. It's just something that we picked up over time of telling people jot jot down these or answer these questions privately, and then I'm going to give you 90 seconds or two yeah. minutes, and then we're going to come back and we'll talk about them. And it just it just increases uh, the uh, the interaction and the engagement that you're going to get. So. Yeah. So yeah, those. Totally. I mean, I, I know it sounds super simple, but that's the big things. That's the big things for me is give them the problem, find out, have them affirm that they see the same problem, that they agree that this is a problem, and then what are we doing right now? Let's all get on the same page so that we all know what we're currently doing, and mm-hmm. then. What are some ideas of things that we could do uh, differently, right? We could do better. And then I'm going to get a list of that. And then quite honestly, what I'll probably do, depending on the size of the list, um, I would like to pick a couple of things to do differently, right? So I would either have a vote and say, everybody gets to vote on two things that they would like us to, to try. Everybody gets two votes and we're going to take the top two. Um, I, I, I think that that works really well. Everybody kind of votes and then it's, uh, whatever the things people are most excited about come right up to the top. And then we're going to take those things. One of the ways that people kill these programs, there's two, there's two quick ways that you kill the program. Number one is top down management where I come in and say, guys, this is what we're doing. And they're like, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I understand why we're doing that. And it just, does not take hold and they they kind of do it for a little bit and they're like this is terrible and they don't have any ownership and it dies so that's number one is top down coming in telling them what to do um number two 
is um, doing an overhaul of your dental procedure. Uh, doing a complete, we're doing nine different things, and it's and and it's just even though they like it and they understand the problem, it's too just too much. Start small, get some wins on the board, and then you can you can add more. We can repeat the process. We can say, hey guys, we've done these two things and they're working really really well. Let's add the third thing and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Right. But I just, um, I, I feel like the, the second of the, of the death traps is I'm super pumped up because the team is engaged and they're super pumped up and let's go from zero to a hundred in a week. And I go, you know what, just, just start small, get some wins under your belt celebrate with the team, make sure that they know that this is working and they see that it's working. And then they know that this, uh, they, they feel the love and they feel the benefit. And then honestly, they'll be excited to add some more stuff. But I've seen people just be like, we're overhauling the whole thing. And that's too much. Yeah. I, I agree because I think it, um, it's fun, right? When the team goes from zero to a hundred and everybody gets super excited, but you know what the flip side of that is, is that the team is going to hit a hundred and then you're going to go from a hundred to zero. Like that's inevitably every time that's what happens is everybody gets super excited. Everybody ramps up and then you, maybe you get a week or two or three, if you're really lucky out of it. And then it drops off like nothing ever, like nothing ever changed. And so if you, if you are thinking, oh, okay, I've been there, done that. That's my team. Like I totally feel you. Cause I've, I've done that. It's really easy to get excited and want to change the whole thing. And one of the hardest things for me as a, as a extrovert, as a um, person who thrives on change and change junkie, like Andy and I are like, it's hard to hold yourself back, but that's your job. Your job is to, to reel it back in and say to the team, okay, let's pick one thing. Or, you know, if you've got a big team and you can really accomplish a lot in a short period of time, maybe you pick two or three, but picking more than three, I've never had that work out very well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. Three, three is a, is a, is a magic number for me. Um, But honestly just do, if there's just one thing people are fired up about and you're like, this is a big thing. Like this is, it's going to take everybody on board to do this one thing, do that one thing. It's really this, this weird dance of, um, giving your heart and your soul and your energy to get your team to engage and take ownership and get excited. And then immediately flipping the switch and giving your heart and your soul and your energy into Pairing it down and not letting this newly energized team run away in every different direction mm-hmm. with the thing that they are excited about. And it's it's a strange dance, but that yeah. is the dance of the of the leader and the facilitator is fire them up, get them excited, generate uh, the energy and the ideas that come from them. And then flip the switch, pair them down to the things that they are most excited about. And honestly, you know that you have run a great meeting 
when there are very clear things that the team is excited about doing and they do and they are not afraid and they do not feel nervous like oh crap how are we going to do this they're yeah. like there's two new things that we are doing and this is going to be great let's do it that is the goal and at the end you should be questioning yourself and going am i doing too little should we should we have done should I, should we have done more that's where you want to be if you're like oh no we didn't we didn't do too little you probably did too much <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Anyway, I love it. So that's what I think I'm going to give you, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you how to do it because I'll mess you up. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think ha- involving the team, having a meeting, um, sitting down and, and really knowing that your end question is, is the question that my friend asked, which is, how are we going to show the value for dentistry when we can't lift the lip? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And every one of your practices is going to be different. And so having the team talk through that, whether you give them a framework, um, whether you let them brainstorm it themselves, there's some questions that you can ask your yourself or the team if they're not big talkers, but ultimately it has to come from them. And it's really about, what are what have you done in the past? What are you doing now? Where are your differences? Or what are you doing now? What do you want it to look like? And and why? Um, what what do you think? Where do you think the va- additional value comes from in making those changes? And then getting them all to kind of funnel it down and say, this is where we're going to start. This is the one thing we're going to add today. And you know, once we've gone two, three, four weeks then we're going to add on the next piece and the next piece and you come up with a plan for what are we going to do to improve this um, and have fun with it. I think that's the biggest thing is I love meetings like this because it's really an opportunity for the team to get super excited and for the team to tackle a problem. And now all of a sudden, instead of this one thing that's weighing on me as the manager, because I've been dealing with the client frustrations or the client complaints about this issue. Now, all of a sudden, it's not me trying to fix that because I'm listening to the clients. It's the team as a whole working together, which feels so much better and takes a giant weight off of me to feel like I'm the only one trying to fix the thing. Yeah. And the last thing I would, I would just tag on at the end is uh, ideally I would like to try to figure out some kind of a scoreboard. You know, mm-hmm. I would like, um, re, re, the best, the most important thing is doing a good job. Um, as far as motivating the team and keeping them motivated, I would really like to be able to go back to them and say, guys, look at the benefits of what you have done. Look at these reviews that we're getting from the clients. Look at these customer service uh, satisfaction surveys. You know, mm-hmm. look at whatever. Uh, the the part of the problem with this, with the dentistry stuff, is you do a good job, and what happens? The clients just the clients feel better, but it's hard to show that numerically and be able to convince your team. And if your team's like, I don't think this does anything. Um, it's hard to, to objectively prove otherwise. And so that's just the big thing that I would say is think about this. Are there ways that we can track performance, uh, over time, 
you will see the number of dentistries you do go up because people will do them again. But that is a long tail. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is a long yeah. tail before people come back and do a dentistry that they would not have done if they didn't feel like the value was there last time. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of things that you can do in the short term that aren't, that are foundational to that end goal, right? The end goal is to increase the number of dentistries and to have clients happier with the process. But um, in the short term, you you are wanting them to create some new habits potentially. So if you're asking them to do things that they weren't doing before, if now you're going to uh, take pictures and text them to owners or use your app to send push notifications while owners are there or whatever it is that works in your practice, taking the Polaroids and making sure that they go home with Fluffy's go home bag, whatever that looks like, that is a behavior that is going to be new or that you're asking them to change. And so setting up a system where you can track that and say, um, you know, we want to see nine out of 10 wellness patients go home with this information and set up a board and let them check off their check off their wins or put a um, drug label with the patient's information into a jar and draw out of that jar to reward them at the end of the week. There's lots of ways that you can make this fun for them um, that tracks that tracks things in the beginning that that aren't the end goal, but are if you don't have the foundation of good habits you will never get to the end goal. And so think about it from a short-term perspective, really when you're talking about rewarding the team right away, because this is a this is a long game behavior that you're asking the clients and the team to change their their viewpoints on. And that doesn't come with quick rewards. Yeah. Totally. I agree. You got anything else to add? Nope. That this is a good one. I hope that it I hope that it helps. Um, yeah, me too. It's a, it's a fun one. I, I now know <laughs> what one of my staff meetings <laughs> in the next couple months is going to be. <laughs> do it before dental, do it before dental uh, health month. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one. Andy. Have a good week. You guys take care. Take care, everybody. Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, if you did, Steph and I would love an honest review from you on iTunes. It is how people find us. It is how people know about the show. It uh, really is amazing. And there's a good old-fashioned uh, text share option. Just uh, send it to a friend. Uh, our community, uh, the vet community, is a wonderful place, and it's a tight-knit community. And you just saying to people, hey, uh, I thought you might like to hear this. Uh, it might be helpful for you. Man, that means a lot to us. Anyway, that's enough for me. Guys, take care. Be well. Talk to you soon. Bye.